are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for today. I've got your first spoiler from Bachelor in Paradise that I can officially confirm today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the idol. We're going to talk about Vanderpump Rules, ratings, and Tom Schwartz makes a decision on his friendship with Tom Sandoval, and he reveals it to the cast of Stars on Mars. <laughs> I can't say that title without laughing. And we'll finally wrap it up with some more Wheel of Fortune talk. We'll get to all that momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. What you got to do is go to greenchef.com slash realitysteve60. Use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash realitysteve60. And use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Also brought to you by Coming Out for Love, the first U.S. lesbian dating competition show. It's on comingoutforlove.com. New episodes are released every Friday. There's been six episodes released so far, episode number seven, coming in two days. Go to bundles in the upper right-hand corner. Click whatever bundle you want to purchase. And at checkout, type in promo code REALITYSTEVE for 15% off your order. All right, let's get started talking a little bit about Bachelor in Paradise. Like I said, I've got your first spoiler for you. And as we know, I told you a couple days ago that the men gave out roses in the first rose ceremony. That's the seventh time in nine seasons, the first rose ceremony, the men were giving out the roses. Only seasons four and five did the women give out roses first. You might ask why. The answer is I have no idea why they chose to to do it the way they have. They did it the first three seasons, men giving out roses, then seasons four and five, the women gave out roses at the first one, and then six, seven, and eight, the men gave out roses. Well, I can tell you that the first rose ceremony, three women were eliminated. Those three women were Greer Blitzer, Brooklyn Willie, and Kat Carter. Those were the three that were eliminated. All three women from Zach's season. Kat Carter, I think, got eliminated at the second row ceremony on Zach's season. We know Greer was the one that got COVID and then got eliminated. And then Brooklyn Willie got eliminated kind of later on in the season. She was the one that kind of had a beef with Kat Izzo on Zach's season because Kat Izzo stole Zach before one of his one-on-one dates and Brooklyn didn't think that was cool. Anyway, those are the three that are gone from the first row ceremony. Now, I do not have all of your original cast. I do. I have a lot of them, but I don't have all of them. However, I also don't have all of your roses that were given out on the first rose ceremony, which is why I only gave you the eliminatees and the ones who didn't receive a rose. Once I get all the roses that were given out, I will pass that along. But for those keeping track at home, which I know a lot of you are, and will be putting it on your Instagram accounts four seconds after you listen to this, Greer Blitzer, Kat Carter, and Brooklyn Willie were the three women eliminated at the first row ceremony on Bachelor in Paradise. One other thing that I was looking at 
for Bachelor in Paradise that I guess I didn't realize until I went through every season on Wikipedia. Because while I remember a lot of things that happened, you don't remember every detail because so many people go in and out of that show. So many people show up. There's been a lot of couples. Like, you could ask me, who were the final couples on season six of Paradise? And off the top of my head, like, I just, I can't recall that right away. If you told me, like, the main cast in season six, I'm like, okay, so that was three seasons ago. Yeah, I just, not great. But one of the things that I, I guess I didn't realize until I looked it up was we know once they get to the end, this show wants people to either break up or get engaged. Like there's really no in between. They get to those final few days and they say, essentially, you either need to end your relationship now or you need to break up or get together and end up getting engaged. Now, last year ended up being a little bit of an exception because while they did have two engaged couples last year where Brandon and Serene got engaged and Johnny and Victoria Fuller got engaged, they had two couples that they allowed to leave in a relationship, which hadn't happened since season four. Season four was the last time they let people leave as a couple, and that was Adam and Raven and Daniel and Lacey. Now, remember, that season was also a little bit wonky because that was where they had the shutdown because of the Corinne DeMario situation. So filming was a lot shorter. Even Derek and Taylor didn't get engaged on the beach. They ended up getting engaged on the reunion show. But ever since then, you know, you go down the list. Season five, Chris and Crystal got engaged. Jordan and Jenna got engaged. Camille and Annalise, I guess, did leave in a relationship, but Kevin and Astrid ended up breaking up on that season, which we know was basically forced upon them by production because they were seen literally a week later together, and they're now married with a child. So clearly, it doesn't matter if you break up on the show. That's kind of what the show wants. Um, In season six, Chris and Katie got engaged, Chris Bukowski and Katie Morton. Uh, Demi and Christian, and then Dylan and Hannah all got engaged on season six. Clay ended up breaking up with Nicole. John Paul Jones ended up breaking up with Tasha. And then you move on to season seven. Let me type that in real quick. Season seven was Joe and Serena got engaged. Kenny and Mari got engaged. Riley and Marissa got engaged. And then Aaron and Tia split up, James and Anna Redmond split up, and Ed and McKenna split up. And those were your those were your breaks right before the three engagements. So before last season, season four was really the last time they allowed a couple to leave as just dating. But a lot of that had to do with the shutdown. That's why you had Raven and Adam leave as a couple. And what did I say? Camille and Annalise. Was that that season? I already forgot what I said. But you know what I'm saying. So filming ends the end of next week. Filming is going to end around the 23rd or the 24th. And they started on the 6th, last Tuesday. So it's going to go about two and a half weeks, which is a tad shorter than previous seasons, but not that much. Previous seasons basically lasted three weeks. This is going to be maybe 17 or 18 days. So it's not very long. So that's why... While you do get to spend a lot more time with this person, again, an engagement at the end of this thing, while they have had more successes than The Bachelor and Bachelorette, 
it's still just getting engaged to someone that you barely know. And I mean barely know. Yes, you did get to spend two and a half weeks with them if you coupled up right away, kind of like Serene and Brandon did last year, that they were basically a couple from the beginning. But you still barely know this person. And you got to keep that in mind when watching it. And now knowing that next week, at the end of the week, is when the season ends filming, and they started on the 6th, and it's going to end around the 23rd or 24th. That's 17 or 18 days. That's not very long. So keep that in mind once I have more information for you and more updates and information for you regarding Bachelor in Paradise. So I wanted to talk a little Vanderpump Rules and in regards to two things. One, ratings, and two, Tom Schwartz's relationship with Tom Sandoval. Bachelor Data did a really good post the other day on Vanderpump viewership and how the controversy really spiked the ratings of this show. As you know, I had not watched this show up until the finale of this year, so I had no idea how it did in the ratings, to be honest with you. I never looked. I had no idea where this show ranked. But looking at Bachelor Data's post from a few days ago, two days, actually three days ago, it looks like season two in 2014 had the highest rated average episodes. It looks like, um, oh, this is per ep- this is per episode. So season two had the highest rated episode ever. It looks like about 2.25 million tuned in for the, I don't know, it looks like penultimate episode. And then they never had another episode in this franchise in 10 seasons that even got to 2 million. Hell, season nine, I had no idea. Season nine had roughly, I don't know, looking at these dots on here, probably 11, 12 episodes. I don't know. None of them even reached a million. And then when season 10 started, one, two, three, four, four episodes The first four episodes, all less than a million. And then that's when the story broke about the Scandival and the affair between Sandoval and Raquel. Then 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, all averaged between 1 and 1.5 million. So they spiked about 500,000 to 750,000 people once the scandal broke, but the season was still airing. And then your finale episodes... Um, the finale, part one, part two, part three, those were all around the 2 million range. And it's interesting because it's still not the highest rated show in the history of the episode in the history of the show. None of the finale or any of the part three of the reunions were the highest rated episode ever. It looks like season two. I have no idea what the hell happened in season two. I'm just looking at this chart. But I had no idea that season nine of Vanderpump was literally the worst rated season of any episode. It looks like almost every episode of season nine was the least watched episode in the history of the franchise outside of a couple episodes. So I'm not saying I'm sitting here believing the conspiracy theories that this was all done to spike interest in the show, but (laughs) it certainly helped because this looked like a dying franchise judging by Bachelor Data's ratings from season nine. They didn't have one episode that even drew, looks like, I mean, the highest green dot is almost a full inch under the one million viewer mark. So it looks like they were drawing 750, 800,000 viewers max for any episode in season nine. And they were hovering around that, if not lower, 
for the first four episodes of season 10. And then the scandal hit and boom, now you're drawing over a million. You're drawing 1.2, 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, and then close to one and a half. And then you get to the finale and you're close to 2 million. So while it was at the expense of Ariana and her nine-year relationship, can't say it didn't hurt help the show because it certainly did. And it brought it to numbers that they hadn't seen in eight years. So I guess good for them. Whatever happened, the scandal, it worked. Did you see what Tom Schwartz said yesterday? I didn't watch it. I just saw the story on People.com in that on Monday's episode of Stars on Mars... <laughs> Like I said, I can't stop laughing and giggling when I say that ridiculous title. He was telling his castmates, because Tom Schwartz was on Stars on Mars, or is on Stars on Mars. He's basically telling his castmates that he is now stepping away from his relationship with Sandoval permanently. He opened up to Natasha Leggero, saying it's horrible and I feel complicit. He said I didn't cover for him. But I had his back. He came to me, confided to me that he was in love with somebody else. My friend had an affair that just happened to swipe the nation, and it's incredibly messed up. But the thing is, I've become mired in it. It's been a huge source of angst in my life. I've been in this extended funk. And then when he went on uh, Brittany and Jax's podcast earlier this week, he said he's taking a break from Sandoval, saying he made a big mess, and he left it for us to clean up back all of his business, and it's not hard for me to not be resentful towards him. So... We'll see how long this lasts. I mean, don't they co-own a bar or restaurant together? Tom Tom isn't I, I don't know how he can not deal with him. I mean, they don't have to be BFFs and text each other every day and night, but it certainly seems like it's going to be hard for the Toms to avoid each other. But I just thought it was funny that he opened up to his cast from the Stars on Mars talking about everything that happened and you know, who knows if these people even paid attention, if they watched, if they were fans. I don't know. I just have this question about stars on Mars. Has someone informed that Ariel Winter that Lance Armstrong is not Neil Armstrong? Has she been updated about this yet, or is she still completely in the dark and thinking that she's on a show with an astronaut? Just checking. So I told you yesterday that The Idol on HBO debuted to about 910,000 viewers, and episode two went down to 800,000. There was an article that was sent to me yesterday by one of your readers that kind of told the story of what went on behind the scenes of this show. It was written by Rolling Stone, and it appeared back in March. And at the time, they didn't even know when The Idol was going to premiere. They just knew it was coming. But it was basically a behind-the-scenes expose on how bad it was production-wise and how many people quit, including one of the main directors, who literally filmed pretty much the whole season, except for, I think, the finale, and then was replaced... Sam Levinson came in and changed the whole thing along with The weekend to make it more about how they wanted to do it, whereas the first iteration of the show apparently was more from Lily Rose Depp's per, uh, per, uh, from her side of things, from a female perspective. And apparently The weekend and Sam Levinson said, no, we're doing it our way. We're not doing it that way. And like I said, I'm not watching. I didn't watch the second episode. I don't think I plan on it, but... If you read that article, just Google the idol Rolling Stone. You can read all the things that went on behind the scenes, how many people in production 
once it was taken over by Sam Levinson, decided not to come back. There's been a ton of reshoots, a ton of rewrites, scripts, all this stuff. Like it's what we're seeing on HBO right now, apparently, is a completely different show than what was originally planned for this thing. Sam Levinson took it over and basically, kind of like I said when I gave you my review of it on Monday, was like, this is basically euphoria for adults and pop stars. It's just he's loading it up with titillation and sex and nudity that doesn't seem to necessarily fit. It's just like gratuitous. It doesn't have to be in there. And because Euphoria has been such a success for him, essentially this guy took over and said, look, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. What is HBO not going to run the show that I'm doing? If they do, they're not getting a Euphoria season three is essentially kind of what is being said behind the scenes that this guy is so full of himself thinking that, well, whatever I put out, HBO is going to air. So it was a really interesting read and we're never going to see the original story because it was completely undone once Sam Levinson came in and gave the weekend an executive producer title to where he can determine this is where I want this storyline to go. And they basically took it away from the female perspective and this seems just like a total disaster. It's only six episodes. And if it doesn't come back for a second season, I think this is an ultimate failure. I mean, we're talking, they said the budget for this show is 54 to $75 million for six episodes. So you're looking at, you know, close to about nine to $10 million an episode. Euphoria got $110 million budget for eight episodes in season two. So, it just seems like there's so much negative press surrounding this. You got people talking off record that worked on the show when the original director was there saying it was, we liked the way it was going. And then all of a sudden Sam comes in and changes things up. I hated my job. I was crying on the way home from work. You weren't heard as a person who worked on the show. It just seems like a total disaster. And then when I watched that first episode, I'm like, this is just smut. It's what it is. It's smut. I don't really think it's very well done. And I know for three days in a row I've been criticizing this show, but I think in 2023 you got to do better than just – I apparently this season dives into kind of like cultish stuff. Like, you know, the whole story with Nexium that like the weekend's role in this show is like he's kind of running a cult and he suckers Lily Rose Depp into this cult. And there's like – the whole rape fantasy idea and rape torture. It's just like, really? Do we have to be doing this? Why don't you just sell a good story with great acting and great writing and spare us your gratuitous sex scenes, which don't really need to be in there. And look, I'm no prude. I just, I just think after watching that first episode, I'm like, you could have easily taken most of that stuff out and still told a story. But, you know, who am I? I'm not Sam Levinson, apparently, who has HBO by the balls and is just doing whatever he wants with his shows. And finally, yesterday I brought up Wheel of Fortune and I was talking about the fact that Pat Sajak is going to retire after 41 years and what's Vanna White going to do. And I just kind of threw out there. I literally was I wasn't even thinking it was just the first name that popped to my head because he hosts literally everything was like, oh, they'll probably give it to Ryan Seacrest. Well, lo and behold, yesterday Already, there's betting websites out there, and there's already stories coming out of the New York Post that Ryan Seacrest has been contacted to take over Pat Sajak's role. Look, he fits. He's a great host. No matter what you think about him, and maybe you're just, 
sick of seeing him on your TV, sick of him getting all these opportunities. You got to admit, he's very good on television. He's a very good host. I think he does an excellent job. I have no problem if he takes over Wheel of Fortune. I'm just saying, it's just, can he not? <laughs> like, does he have to? <laughs> he doesn't, he just literally left Kelly and Ryan because he didn't want to do all the travel. And yes, I understand that Wheel of Fortune is shot in LA, so it's not like he's going to have to do any traveling for it. And they shoot like five or six episodes a day. If you do that for a week, you literally got, you know, 25 episodes. You know, that lasts you, you know, a week of filming basically takes up a month to six weeks of airtime. So, I don't know. I mean, could you find another host? Of course you could. But this is a very, very proud and distinguished franchise along with Jeopardy. So they're not just going to, they're certainly not going to give it to a no name, I don't think. And I could see them going with Seacrest. I know people that suggested maybe Vanna White's daughter would take over, maybe for her uh, or even host. I don't think they'd put her in the host role. We still don't know if Vanna's going to leave with Pat. I would venture to guess that she is. And the two of them ride off in the sunset together as a team since they've been together since the beginning of this thing. But we'll see what happens. Would I be surprised if Ryan Seacrest ends up as the host of Wheel of Fortune? No, because he hosts so many other things. And he's good at what he does. He's a big name. I think people, America, likes him for the most part. He's not rocking the boat. He's not going to be some sort of controversial host for this show. You just need someone there to just guide it along. Ask the contestants, where are you from? What do you do? Who are you here playing for? and kind of chuckle at them when they have a horrible guess. That's really all the host of this show does. But what do I know? I'm not programming game shows in Hollywood. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe and Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated. The Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now. Check that out if you want to listen to that. And we'll be back tomorrow with yet another Daily Roundup. So thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. See you.